Welcome back, everyone, to the After Hours of Interest podcast. I'm your Eternal Dungeon Master, where after a week of... Oh, God. Uh, Eternal Dungeon Master Jonathan Eugene Yen, and after a week of sobriety, I've decided that for this session, I will be drinking again. Ah, yes, collective booze. Um, oh, wait, wait, wait. Ready, 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 ready. Crisp, crisp sound incoming. Was Did that register? A bit. It registered. I wouldn't say the whole thing was crisp. <laughs> God damn it. I tried. <laughs> I know that registered. Did it register? No. The glub 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 glub. God no. fucking. An, a, you a, need to hold it right ASMR, in front of the mic. God, an ASMR podcast we are not. Anyways, I'm joined once again by... Uh, let's let's change up the order. We did we Let's see, last time we did this way. Okay. Uh, we have Michelle on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> As if to say, what do you I've want? I've been summoned. <laughs> oh God. What can I uh, do for have... you? Fucking. <laughs> we have Kylie Gibson. Nice to see you. <clears throat> and we have <laughs> Eric McGill. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> You sound very happy to be here. <laughs> I just, I don't know, if they're on this episode, it's like, you know who's here, yo. <laughs> I'm no, like, that's fair, that's fair. If you've come this far, I'm like, hi guys, it's us again. We're oh, yeah, back. Like episode and 20, we're back doing stuff. Episode 21 and someone's like, girl, oh, you knew here? They just keep on appearing. Jesus. And every time, it's like a new episode. How are you going to introduce yourself this time? And it's like, hello. <laughs> it's, always, <laughs> it's always like, I don't know how to make this That's any more thing. interesting than being like, I'm still here. Well, some some other podcasts do like little quips or one-liners and stuff. I've tried to avoid having us do that, but honestly, it might be fun. I don't know. We'll, 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 we'll workshop. We'll experiment. Um, anyways, so... Uh, as I mentioned in the intro, uh, this week we are partake. I think I'm the only one partaking, actually, uh, not alcoholism. Um, but uh, I don't think we're doing punishment because, honestly, honestly, as the person that uh, wrote what is about to happen into existence, trust me when I say that there is going to be enough punishment already. Um, yes, uh... that is a warning. Uh, before we get started with this, uh, uh, an and oh, what the fuck what did I almost said? Assassination uh, mission. Let's do a quick little recap of what happened last time. Last time, our money grubbing trio. I've really felt the DBZ. Uh, <laughs> fuck Dragon Ball Z. Fucking last time. Da, da, da. Anyways, last time our money grubbing trio dropped off Cody at the Madeline Barrel, finding out some interesting things about Osley. A bit of jealousy ensued before the group saw Ivan watching them from the roof of the Madeline Barrel, showing them that it was almost time to go. The group went to the Arantelli family property and found the garlic stand, speaking with a gnome that had been manning it as. Tucker had a thieves can't conversation with him, Tara and Davina noticed an angry looking water genasi girl approaching. They decided not to warn him and he got smacked pretty hard in the back of the head and angry Sarah Cerulean having finally found him after years of not seeing or hearing any trace of him. The two had a secret conversation through the message spell cantrip before she shoved a scroll into his hands and stormed off. After a nice funnel cake to pass the time as Tucker got harassed by 
Terra, and Davina, the trio spoke with the gnome garlic merchant again. He wished the group good luck and gave them some advice before giving them a magic silk rope. The rope lifted the group up the wall upon speaking the activation word, and the group was able to escape detection from a combination of the fireworks, marching band ensemble, and a clutch pass without trace spell. As the group landed in some bushes on the other side, they prepared for their assassination job. And that is where we are now. So you guys are in the courtyard. I had described a little bit when you guys, uh, the other time we played, when you guys went over the actual wall itself, but you guys got a pretty good view of the, the grounds. This is a large property. There's like a little, uh, kind of like a little pond, I think like a koi fish pond. There's like a little stone pond. Um, I had already mentioned uh, in the distance, it's not super far away, but it's maybe like 45-ish feet away. You guys can see that there is a stone dummy and a bunch of scorch marks around it. You guys see there's like a stream kind of running around the property, uh, some bridges over them. Very like, a little bit like Japanese aesthetic inspired for those like really pretty like gardens and such. Um, you guys also see that there is kind of a house, essentially like a manor of sorts. Um, but there's a lot more stuff inside the wall property that's just outside as opposed to just one big house like you guys saw with uh, Mouse Shadow's property. Every time you describe a manor, I'm like, tell me I'm poor and new in fascinating ways. <laughs> uh, no, this is a nice property and I'm glad their koi fish pond is... Uh, <laughs> Blossoming yeah. Oh yeah, you guys do see a, a koi fish swim out of the water, just kind of do a flip in the air, wink at you guys, flex some money in front of you, and then go back into the water. It spits out gold coins into the water as well. Yeah, yeah, it does it's like, like a little, ah, yeah, I admit. If I kill it, will we get caught? <laughs> um, oh, and uh, one thing I forgot to mention, um, there's... You know, nobody noticed you guys land in the bushes, as far as you guys can tell, but there are, like, a few servants running around. Uh, you guys can tell that they're servants because they're wearing kind of uniform, like, uh, robes of sorts that, you know, look a little fancier, but not super fancy, and they're all wearing the crest. Um, they're also all bald, just strange thing, um, and also all tieflings. Huh. Interesting. Okay, and Pass Without Trace is still active, right? Yes, it is. Do we still have our stealth rolls from earlier, or do we need to re-roll? Because that was for the wall. I will say that you guys are going to have to re-roll. All right. Well, I got a four, so that's an unnatural 20. Okay. Two plus 10, 12. Mm, Okay. That's a really good spell, Davina. That's helping us a lot. (laughs) Oh, nat 20. Oh, nice. So, God, that turns into what, like a 36 or something? 32. Two. Uh, yeah, no, you guys are able to very easily navigate through this area. Um, you guys start to... Uh, actually, where, where do you guys want to go? Do you guys want to start going towards... Um, there's a lot of these little bushes kind of sprinkled throughout the property. There's definitely cover for you guys to kind of get behind, even for Tucker with his size. Um, do you guys want to try to kind of get closer to the uh, the training dummy area? Don't we need to go to the outhouse? Yeah, let's head that way. So you guys follow the instructions as Ivan told you to and wrote for you. And nothing seems to happen. You guys just walk around the outhouse. Uh, it's a little bit... You guys still have to kind of divert a little bit. It would be faster to just go straight towards 
the training dummies. I mean, there's bushes and stuff too that you guys could easily hide in. But instead, no, you guys decide to follow the instructions as given and go around the outhouse. Um, again, bit of a detour, but you guys make your way over and you guys are now within a stone's throw distance of the training dummy. Hmm. As you guys are walking over, however, you guys see... Or rather, you guys hear first. You guys kind of have to stop in your tracks as you guys are on your way over. And maybe even decide that you don't want to do it after all. But you guys hear a lot of people suddenly. Just a lot of footsteps, a lot of kind of chatter. And you guys see several tieflings running together, carrying a, a large shipment of some kind, like large boxes. And as they're running, it seems like they're just moving these things between uh, something, like bringing something somewhere. As they are moving these things, you hear a ringing noise throughout the property. And they suddenly, like, a lot of them look really excited and stuff. And they kind of put their things down and start to kind of go collectively somewhere. It seems like uh, you, you don't even need to really roll for this. It's probably some kind of like dinner time bell or something like that. But as... They uh, they leave to go do that. They leave some boxes lying out. Oh, sorry. I said I said boxes. I meant more like chests. I think Tucker is moving like inches at a time in his shell, and we're like hunched behind it, just like trying to stay. Like matching the footsteps everywhere I step, you step. No, like silhouette to silhouette, trying to stay behind you, so it just looks like we're a little walking toad, like a little house. God, this became Looney Tunes so fucking fast. I mean, how else are we not going to be seen? We have to crouch behind him, make sure. Well, and then he's got, he's got the table put on a trench coat and have you guys on top of me. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I guess we could do that. I'd be the head, right? God. Right? No, you'd be the body. <laughs> I'd be the legs. Crush her. Fighting every urge in my bones to loot them. I know. <laughs> it is so frustrating that my magic leaves receipts. They're not that far off the path that you guys are walking. I'm not touch. Don't touch them. I'm, I'm not going to touch the hands them. that reach out. Fuck, that's divination. All right, fine. I know. So limiting. I feel limited, too. If I use any of my weapons, they'll leave a, a mark. We're all going to leave them. We're going to leave the chest. There will be other things to steal. We're not going to open shit. any. Holy shit, I think I need to change the name that I have for you guys from Money Grubbing Trio to like, fuck, I need to find something else now, shit. No, we are money grubbing. We're just not that dumb. <laughs> and we're employed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fair, fair, fair. Oh, wait, is it nighttime? Uh, almost, basically, yeah. Next. You put on your goggles and activate them. You look like a raver. So you guys see the chests and against better judgment, or rather better judgment wins out and continue on the path and eventually get behind a well-situated bush and are just crouched there, full squat, just hiding, invisible to a wall, essentially. Um, you guys are, I would say, roughly 30 feet away from the... Uh, or No, no, you guys are like maybe... Yeah, you guys are 30 feet away from... There's like a mound where you can imagine people probably stand to like do the spells and such. Um, but you guys are kind of at a triangle between the, the mound the training dummy and where you guys are anyways so you guys are sitting here for a bit are you guys just going to quietly just wait or we're patient you're right right girls 
All right, I am ready to hunker. Well, as soon as the tablecloth is removed from Hunter and we're all in the cover of night, let's proceed. As you guys are waiting, some some stuff happens. We do a little little, little bit of stuff. Um, you guys are here for for quite some time. Um, it's a little bit hard to tell exactly how much time is passing, but you guys can, you know, see the sun. I mean, not anymore because sunset, but you guys can see the, the moon start to rise and such. As you guys are waiting here, eventually you guys start to hear sounds. It sounds like two men, two uh, men, maybe one's a man, one's younger, talking, having a conversation. It starts off as kind of calm inquisitive and it turns a little bit more heated before ending and this is what you hear there's two voices i think that uh it went pretty well what exactly do you mean by pretty well well no 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 <laughs> she was great she was she was she was great Phoenix, be more specific, son. She was great. What do you mean she was great? Well, ah, she's not my type, father. This is, I I don't care. This isn't a a matter of, uh, have you been listening to the servants or something, Phoenix? Uh, Where are these silly thoughts coming from? No, no, I just, I don't feel like uh, in front of you and her father she was very respectful quiet docile but when when we we had a walk around the property she was very uh, flamboyant I suppose is probably the best word she was very I don't know exactly how to put it she was very uncouth Phoenix are you trying to tell me right now that you are complaining that your possible betrothed has a little bit of a rebellious or talkative streak of some... No, father, no, no, no. That's not the problem at all. I just... Why? Remind me, please. Why must I marry this ugh, ocean dweller? I understand your disdain for her, but Phoenix... Please understand, you. I, I've talked to your tutor, you haven't been doing the best in arithmetic or your economics courses, but surely even you must understand how beneficial it would be to stop planning against the Cerulean family and instead combine our collective benefits of draconic gold adorned with Cerulean pearls we corner the market. Every single creature in Calowick with any amount to their name would be wearing our jewelry. And with jewelry on head, gold in our pockets. Besides, marriages are simply a means of growth and prosperity. I didn't truly care for your mother. I still don't. But the marriage was beneficial. Can't you see you wedding this... What was her name again? Aaron. I think it was Erin... Uh, 
Um, Ara? Was it? Ara. Now, I, uh, I thought it was longer than that, but possibly... But regardless, your marriage with Ara, I think her name was, uh, would be extremely beneficial for, for the family. So, you know, I don't... Son, if you truly have withholdings about this, you could simply... It's quite easy to just slip poison in her vial, uh, a poison vial in her drink a few years down the line. It's, it's an investment, really. Is that how you felt when mom killed all of your concubines? Damn, the tea! I feel like we're way too much information right now. Oh my god. Hear a long moment of silence. <laughs> Phoenix, you forget yourself. Go discharge your magic, and we'll discuss this more in the future. <sighs> your mother's probably drugged out of her mind right now, but we'll see if she has any insights to offer you. Did you at least enjoy the performance today? They really tried their best at it, you know. And with this, he kind of trails off, and you guys had mostly just heard this interaction. You think maybe they're like around a corner or something, or on the other side of the building. But this conversation finishes, and you guys, a few moments later, see a young tiefling, arms kind of crossed, pacing a little bit, walk out into this training area muttering under his breath he's wearing uh, these beautiful red robes that have the kind of embroidered uh fire ferret on it the ferret juggling the fire um he has a, several sashes over his uh shoulder pad like shoulder padding um and it seems to indicate actually i just realized tucker you would remember this from your time with aranti um, they likely go to the same school of some sort uh, for um, kind of achievements in magical prowess. You get sashes to like wear, essentially, to, to, to flex, to show how good at magic you are. And he has so many. Um, he kind of twirls a, a, a wand in hand, a stick uh, between his fingers, cursing under his breath a little bit. You see him kind of curse a little bit and then glance back to see if his father is still there seems to not see him and just kind of <sighs> shakes his head I feel like for somebody so adept at magic it just makes it even more unbelievable that he would die by his own like mistake arrogance is the bane or, of every cunt I've ever met or <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> Contextually, it could have been a suicide. You know, like he was that like unhappy with the way that his life was. What going we we, that, we write a little know. note and leave it on his ashes. Was real sad. Oh, I'll inspire the absolute ever loving shit out of you right now. I'll sing. Um, very very quietly, <laughs> inspire me. <laughs> It has a verbal component. I would love to use the mask of silence in order to eliminate said verbal component, I think. Hold on, let me see. Yeah, 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 no, that's, that's how it works. You get charges per day. Well, this is a good time to use it. You quickly pull the mask over your mouth and uh, hum a quick little ditty under the, <laughs> under but the mask. But let's hear what it would have uh, been. On a good 
them by the sound tributation. Down, down, down. Yeah, no, I like that. I like it. You do this. Um, and funnily enough, uh, Tucker, you can still hear her singing this in your head as she uses bardic inspiration on you. Um, but yeah, you, you feel inspired as you palm this necklace in your hand. But yes, um, as he's standing there and he kind of mutters to himself, you guys can hear even from this distance because it's an empty courtyard and he's by himself. I'm trying to think about how I want to mount him on the spike. <laughs> Jesus. Well, even if I didn't like her, starts casting fireball. As you guys are in your hidden position, you guys see him kind of pull out a little bit of bat shit from his fucking pocket. It's a casting component for fireball. And he presses it between his index and thumb, uh, index finger and Ugh, thumb. Unsanitary. And snaps his fingers and a kind of glyph forms around where he's snapped and a moment later a streak flies through the air like a point this ember hits the stone training dummy and then it shrinks a little bit and shrivels and then just like an explosion uh, the radius 20 feet expands outward you guys see the stone dummy that was there is no more it is incinerated a few moments later however as though by some kind of magic he taps his feet and another one forms seems like there's some kind of spell here to allow people to practice more does the same process for the second one on the third one i am getting ready to throw that was four after he casts his fourth fireball he breathes out a sigh with each of these he kind of like relaxes a little bit more his posture kind of slinks a little bit after he casts the spell you get the feeling that this like casting of spells is a bit of a release in some way what would you guys like to do i'd like to prepare a reaction to cast the guiding bolt on him in the event that he does not die after tucker throws the beads. All the beads or one bead? Alright, so one bead, all the beads, how many beads? All the beads. Right, guys? Yeah. We agree? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alright. All the beads. <laughs> I'm throwing all of all them. All the beads, but wait, 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 no, wait, 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 wait. I... Maybe we should keep one bead. Was there no instruction? I feel like if this is carefully like Wait until after out, he casts he his fourth fireball him. and throw the beads onto him. I'm throwing all of them. <laughs> yeah, like iPhone would give us the exact amount that we would need. Okay, That's what right, I'm afraid fine. of throw too. I'm just going to follow it to a T. Fine, fine. We throw all, all the, the beads. beads. Do I roll for this? Yes. Okay. Go ahead and roll a d20. Uh, you have an advantage because this is from stealth, and you have an extra d6 to add to it because of bardic inspiration. <laughs> all right, so advantage plus six. 16 on the first one, two on the second one. We don't care about that, though. So 16 plus five is 21. Back to my previous question. No modifier on this. Okay. Hey, Eric, do me a favor. Uh, Uh, Can you go ahead and uh, roll 14d6 for me? 48. Here's what happens. Phoenix finishes casting his fireballs. As he's done, you guys can probably guess, hundreds of times before. This is a practiced spell, and it's to the point where he feels some kind of release from doing it. 
after he does this, something he's done so, so many times, and just opens his arms up and tilts his chin to the sky, kind of look as though a weight has been lifted from his body. And in this moment, as his mouth is open... It's like post-not clarity. In this long... A little bit. And as his mouth is open and this long sigh comes out, Tucker, with pinpoint accuracy, like a dart, tosses this necklace of fireball beads across about 20 feet, spurred on by the things that this person said about a a girl that he has conflicted feelings over right now, but that he was once close with, Tucker throws this necklace of fireball beads. It sails directly into Phoenix Arantelli's mouth. There is a slightly shocked expression on Phoenix's face for all of a fraction of a second because that is all the time that he has before the command word activates the fireball beads and a ninth level fireball spell is casted from the mouth of Phoenix Arantelli on his position. You guys see almost as if in slow motion a strange glow emanating from within his cheeks that quickly spreads to his chest, through his robes, and even through his skull. Surprising no one, you guys don't see much in there. As he looks horrified, and this is fractions of a second happening, you guys see his body begins to almost splinter as this energy inside has been released and is fighting and trying to find a way to burst out of the strange fleshy container it's been shoved and tossed inside of. As his body swells with this flaming energy, his demonic heritage helping a little bit, but honestly not enough, eventually the tension is too great and his skin breaks, a look of horror still etched on his face as a crack forms across his face, the flaming energy finally released. As soon as this flaming energy is released in one spot, it's released everywhere else. And what was once Phoenix Arantelli is consumed in a vicious 20-foot sphere. Flames so hot that all of you take. Oh no. I was like, we're 30 feet away, aren't we? <laughs> Shell armor defense. <laughs> six damage. Six damage. All of you take just six damage. You guys are outside of the actual sphere. But flames so hot that it feels like someone has burned your retinas all the way into your skull. And as you are blinking, trying to understand the intense, amazing thing you just saw, you look over to the spot where Phoenix Arantelli once stood and see nothing. No ashes, no cinders, no little baby chicken rising from a dead body. There is nothing there. <laughs> oh, as a matter of fact, the flames were so strong, it, it created a half-sphere dome into the, into the fucking ground he was standing on. He's done. He's gone. We gotta eat. All right, we guys. gotta go. We gotta go. All right, let's get out of here. Wait, no. No, I don't fucking say that. I say nothing. I just start dragging them. Oh, okay. We're going. Around the 
house back Tucker, the way as we you came. Pull your two accomplices. You feel a, a strange twitch in your face as you, you just can't stop smiling for some reason about how satisfying that was. <laughs> You're not one that's particularly bloodthirsty. You have your moments. But there was something truly satisfying about putting him down. As you guys are on your way out, going back the same path you took, uh, you guys pass against the treasure chest again. Do you guys stop or no? No. Why do you tempt us? He, because he wants us no. to fuck Why? up a perfectly good thing. I'm just letting no. <laughs> We're not going to go. We're not going to. We're going to get the fuck, the fuck out, out. We don't want to die. But like, but like, I'm looking back. Like, is Phoenix real? No, it's just like the moment we said, like, oh, we're not going to open the chest. Gina was just like smiling and it just like dropped. <laughs> I'm thinking about something else. Oh, okay. okay. So you guys don't no. stop for it? Get your mimic chest out of here. Like you guys can. There and it was like harmless, but we're going to like not tap into it out of fear. But I think it's better not good, to. So good, let's good, go. Good. To the rope. You guys continue leaving, going back the way you came, and then eventually come to the bushes that you had first landed on when you guys came out of the, uh, came off of the rope. You guys quickly unfurl the rope that you guys had kind of wrapped up. Ivan. And the rope unfurls itself and starts to go up. Do you guys grab on Mary Poppins style? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. you guys start going up the wall, kind of marveling. Uh, I'm not going to make you guys roll stealth checks right now, just because something pretty insane has happened, and also because there's not really anybody around that you guys see. I'd like to look back at the crater. As... This was going to appear no matter what, but it's really funny that you decided to look back. As oh. you glance over at the smoldering crater where a dickhead once stood. Oh, sorry, Phoenix once stood. You see a fire wisp, a flaming little elemental creature standing over the smoke. And go back. you guys see, or Tucker sees rather, it grows a little bit and swells in the spot that Phoenix died. And then as Tucker looks over, it looks at you. <laughs> Wait, it looks and at Tucker, me? You feel in your head a mental connection is formed. And here in your head, <sighs> the job isn't finished what? it occurs to you this is not phoenix this is not some kind of weird reincarnation of phoenix arendelli this is something very different some kind of strange creature that the Arantelli family keeps on retainer on this property, likely. And it asked you for something. You feel in this moment as you guys are- This is while you're literally being almost like fucking helicopter rope down- As you're literally being like fucking lifted up, Eric, fucker. You hear this voice in your head and you get in this moment, you feel that you can respond. Responding wasn't part of my instructions. I'm not doing anything. As you are continuing up, and you are—you guys are almost over the wall at this point, Tucker, when you don't respond, 
you see that this strange little elemental starts to swell and grow until they're no longer this tiny little thing you could fit between your fingers. They grow in height until they pass the height that a human would be and continue to grow until they're the size of a bear and keep growing. And you see where they levitate above, the ground is scorched and they start to fly towards you as you guys are going over the wall. Now, everyone, give me a history check because at this point, I believe Davina and Tara likely noticed this thing. Yeah. I can hear it coming. Well, uh, 18 minus one is 17. 17 plus Easter? Minus two. <laughs> <laughs> Plus minus two. Which mathematically is still a correct thing to say. A nat one is a nat one. Oh, fuck. Oh, God. Okay. <laughs> uh, Airhead in that moment. Big fire scary. Coming <laughs> fast. Yeah. Davina and, Ter- uh, and Tucker, both of you guys have heard horror stories about this. There are many, many monstrous creatures kept in Zorak that Zorak is kind enough to not allow to leave. Most of Zorak, they, in the way that they are structured, the devils run society and they essentially kind of police the other creatures, keep a lot of things behind a proverbial, like, Cerber- uh, behind a proverbial like Tartarus in the sense of like keeping threats from trying to start in a war and stuff like that. This is a creature known as a, fl- uh, a fire elemental. However, this is not a normal fire elemental. Fire elementals are slightly larger than humanoids, are not sentient, and cannot fucking speak in people's minds. This is some kind of infla- like uh, enslaved infernal demonic flame spirit huh it is flying towards you guys do you guys just continue do you guys stay the course yeah let's what get else the, yeah. do? Get the stay fuck out the of here. fucking course and get to the top of the wall and go down again we it's gotta get out be- before we do anything else <laughs> <laughs> I'm like Ivan 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 just like um, when we get when we get to the top of the wall, I would like to look over to see if the dude is still okay. there. You guys get oh. to the top of the wall, still flying. I was curious still about coming, that too. Still coming at you guys. Do you guys go down the wall now? Ivan, he, is he there? As soon as we're down, I want to signal the no. We will be right next to okay. him. You guys, uh, well, as a matter of fact, funnily enough, as you guys get on top of the wall, the rope keeps going. Like it doesn't just stop on the wall. You guys kind of have to like get a, off the the rope a little bit switch sides that you're going down now instead of going up but you guys start going down and as you guys are going down you guys see you guys can feel it getting really really hot around you like uncomfortably warm and as it's starting to get to like a burning sensation you guys see poking over the the top of the wall the size of a giant now there's a f- the fucking fire elemental that has grown to this size is reaching over and is rearing back this barely corpore like barely formed flaming fist, and as it kind of uh, lunges forward to try to smash into you guys, 
you guys see a protective barrier as this trapped creature is unable to leave the boundaries of the Arantelli estate. Less. It starts to shrink back down in size as you guys, you know, go down the wall. And it kind of hangs over the side as much as it can. You guys see it extends an arm as it's shrinking and the hand that it extends fizzles and it quickly rears that hand back. And it just watches you guys as you guys descend. I I just, I frown and I give it a slow wave. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <sighs> I'm gonna hug the gnome. Hug, hug gnome. Yeah, are we down so you guys yet? get down. You guys get yeah. You guys get down. As you guys are going down, um, the gnome actually uh, once you guys land, he kind of quickly pushes you guys wordlessly into his cart that has changed form again, um, and uh, the cart starts to move. Um, and he, he basically almost like it's a car. Uh, it starts to just roll by itself. There's no horses or anything like that. And you guys, um, he kind of sits in there with you guys. So how did everything go? Hug. Oh. <laughs> the guy turned into a firework. A human firework. I never thought I'd see you again. That wasn't him. I never, never what happened thought to I'd see you again. That was something else. Something else? What do you mean something see, else? I've never seen anything like I don't it. No. It, it was kinda looked like a big after he burst into a firework, there was he turned into this like fire elemental looking thing, but it was like Really big for a fire elemental. And it was mm. fast. Really fast. Where are we going? Suffice it to say, I think you guys have done a really good job. Is Phoenix no more? Definitely. He's a firework now. Jesus. That wasn't him. Well, I'm very, very proud of how you all did. I'm uh, glad that I decided to step in myself to make sure that nothing bad happened. I Takes did? off. Skin? <laughs> I knew it! 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 Sorry. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. This will unfortunately be one of those disguises that I can't really go back to, but it was fun nonetheless. So, everyone, what did we learn? I learned that I missed you and that we should always trust your instructions. So, something I did not mention to you because I wasn't sure if it would come up, to be honest. Part of the reason that the Arantelli family is so good at fire magic, specifically, is because they formed a contract with the fire demon Philagathos. Now, as you might imagine, and you just witnessed uh, personally, firsthand, that fire demon's not exactly happy with his arrangements currently. There is uh, many things in the contract between the Arantelis and the demon, but that's not particularly important at the moment. I'm very proud of how all you did. I'm very proud also that you followed my plans. You have shown me that you are capable of taking instruction. Thank you? Do I get a cookie for that? I thought you were bringing me cookies. Oh yeah! It's fine. Uh, my cart is going to actually drop us off at each of your respective dwellings. But I believe 
I owe each of you something. A gift? A trinket? A reward. Cookies! No, not cookies. A question. Answered. Oh, yeah. That's right. We forgot about that. Tucker? Any, um, ideas? This is a really good opportunity for us (laughs) to find stuff out. You told me that you know what happened to my sanity. What happened to it? So you want to know why you have a bit of a split in your brain? Uh Uh-huh. Tara and Tucker are making eyes at each other. I was a little curious about this myself. See, you had a traumatic event when you were younger, but that that's not what caused this. An entirely different thing is what set your path, for lack of a better word, different than what it was supposed to be. I asked many about your situation, and... There were many ideas that were interesting and in the land of fantastical, but there's one that I believe is the most accurate, and it took quite a lot, actually, to find it out. Davina, you have two souls. Two souls? Oh, Christ. What, what does that mean? It seems at some point or another, another soul entered your physical body. Now, if this was some foreign entity, like casting a spell of mind control or body transference, the Divina that we know now wouldn't have existed. So somehow, it is not a different creature inhabiting your body in the form of a soul, but simply put, there's two yous in there. Whoa. Paul Cruxter, you... Will I eventually become two angels instead of one? Time will tell, but everyone was quite confused about the situation that I presented them with, but yeah, two souls... I do wonder sometimes if somebody stabbed you in the heart, if you would die or just come back. It's interesting. Until maybe a few years ago, from those that are in your life, their recollection of you is that you are a very hyper-intelligent young girl. You were more mature than your peers. You had excellent memory. You were very... Oh, you're still very friendly. But, for lack of a better way to put it, you were just different. Hey, I'm still smart. You are. I didn't say anything about your intelligence. memory, kind of. Davina, how old are you? Um, (laughs) I'm like 12 and 3 quarters. I think. It might be 13. I'm not, I, I, I don't know. I'm not really good with dates. But yes, very fascinating bit. I'm sure if uh, given the chance, there's probably a lot of wizards that would love to dissect you, but unfortunately, you're working under me, so not an option. At the end, after he says this, he 
He kind of just shrugs. But, you know, maybe all of them are wrong. Maybe you just see the world differently. Please remember those cookies for me later. Yeah. I look really confused, and I just say, Well, if there is another me, I'd really want to meet her. He he gives you a head pat and seems to find this really, really funny, but you feel like a joke has been told and you don't understand what it is. Goes over my head. Yeah. Yeah. Tucker and Tara lock eyes once more in kind of annoyed disgust because what the fuck? (laughs) Because we knew something was going on and now we don't know what's going on. Um, it's almost like we know less now than we did before. <laughs> yes. What is, yes. What is Tuck, how does Tucker receive this? I've been waiting to tell you guys about this for so long. Yeah, that's kind of confusing. I'm confused. <laughs> Deflated. Like, wh- yeah. Have I ever had? Have I ever seen Davina in a moment of clarity? Yes, by yep. the fireplace when I hugged her. Tucker's going to have one of those, like, oh-oh moments, like, connecting the dots in his head. And then, like, so so that's why. Oh. Oh. It still doesn't make sense. I'm, you know what? Ivan, I have a question. Shoot. Will I ever have to go home? Well... You never have to go home. It's just what will happen there while you're gone that you need to worry about. Your leaders in the depths are... strange, to say the least. I've had interactions with not the current, but the prior, before all that bloodshed was spilled. Oh. And, well, under her path, a lot of... Bad things will likely happen. Compliancy is normally the best route in terms of avoiding bloodshed, but with how she is... You know, I, I never I never wanted any of that. Yo, then, you killed the previous king? No. No. <laughs> no. No, I didn't kill anybody. Um, sorry, I... Oh, sorry, I said that as Eric. <laughs> That's not going to happen again while I'm gone, is it? I never... You don't have to go back. You've made it up here. You don't owe them anything. But just realize that if you were to go back, there can only be one blessed with singing to give power to those around them. There can only be one. Do you want to know what happened when other Dwarven children were born with the abilities that you do? You haven't heard of them, have you? You don't have to tell me. I'm sure the water knows. See, some Dwarves find their way to the water by the calls of the creature at the bottom. In some... Some are pushed in from the top. Challengers are not well received, it seems, by your matriarch. 
So should you return home to the depths, it should not be done without caution and the understanding that it will be a challenge. You should consider yourself lucky, you know. You never ended up in the waters. Ah, in fact, I'll give you a bonus. It seems a terrible fate fell upon some that recently tried to leave their former lives of inadequacy and form a group to sing together. They represented the dwarven race so well against the drow and yet oh. when there were times of weakness she struck for as I mentioned oh my God. there can only be one whose voice leads the others into the darkness I love that connection I know what that is Eric, are is you- that the Rest bonus episode? Yeah. Rest I never finished that. The fourth rocket. Yeah. There were four of you? I only heard about three. I didn't get I don't think I finished the So the there bonus. was a, in that episode there was an allusion to the fourth were we called the rockets? I'm gonna throw up. Yep. Are you kidding me? Is that what I did? I'm so sorry that I'm yeah, not sober most of the time. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but there was an allusion to like, what happened to the fourth one of you? And we went, oh, she's not around. Oh, well. And then we went, we're going to make a new band, a trio. And then we like renamed it. But the idea was, is that we were really talented as children. And there was a fourth one of us that just wasn't around anymore. And like, we didn't talk about her and whatever. Oh shit! And like now they they talk about the bloodshed and about how there can only be one because this is stuff you guys know, right? And it's spoken that other people who had this gift aren't around anymore. So mm-hmm. it's not. I'm gonna give you this because I think this is relevant. When he says there can only be one, it's not that like. It's inconceivable among the race that they're not being born anymore. And it's also not that they're hunting them out. Neither of those two are occurring. It's not the one at the top being like, get rid of all the potential uh, replacements for me. Yes. Protecting her own position. Correct. But it's potential replacements for her. It's not like all of the bards known to man. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, you have to be a threat, not just gifted. Mm-hmm. But I think Ivan made it clear that although that's the case, I can't go down there without expecting to not threaten her. I'm actually going to freeze in my place and contemplate all of this news with a very scowled uh, face. Tucker, you'll have to interrupt me and move me. Okay. We've, we've started working for Lord Mel Shadow, and now we're working for you too. Will you ever make us decide between him and you where our loyalties lie? That's a good question. 
Interesting. I don't really. Huh. <laughs> He's like interesting. Your concerns are trivial and dumb. <laughs> Between Lord No Shadow and myself, if I were to ever put you in a situation of loyalty, well. If I act against the Lord Mel Shadow, you won't be privy to how I do it. Hell, you won't even know when you're helping me do it. There's not really a choice involved in this talker, Shelby, and I think that's what you've been misunderstanding about our working relationship. If I want you to slit his throat in his sleep, it will be done, whether you like it or not. Now, currently, Gorik and I have a great relationship. He likes cheese, I like the meat that he has, you know, it's, it's a great relationship. I have no reason to kill him. Did he just say he had the cheese? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> you, you should say as Tara, you got any on you now. <laughs> but I think what you and your friends should focus more on is what are his motivations? Why does he want you to work for him? The three of you I see have an undying loyalty to him almost. With me, I threaten you to get you to do what I want you to do. But you... Well, yeah, you have not heard us any cheese. <laughs> he throws a wheel of cheese at you. <laughs> that's, a, that's a joke. He, you understand where my motivations come from. I'm actually quite transparent with all of you. But what do you know of him? What do you know of his past? Why is it that the Arantelli family has nobles, has ancestors and descendants, has massive family? The Ceruleans have an empire. And yet, Gorik Melshadow lives in his manor. Only a man butler to care. He has those that work for him, sure. For silvers a day. Where is his family? Why does he care for you? That's what the really important question is. Uh... I knew Melly Mel for like a really long time now. I know that he's a nice guy, and he likes me and my family. That's the weird part, actually. Why does he like you and your family? Mm. Because also, I'm so... I'm sorry. Davina, <clears throat> is this current you talking or past you? I can't oh, get the two confirmed sometimes. Don't do that. How would I know? I've always felt like me. I see. Well, he turns to the two of you that are not Davina. Case in point. Anyways, 
This has been a very fun conversation, and I saw that you two, the three of you, went to to town hall today and got a bounty to go help Renaissance tomorrow. I'm really excited to see and hear from you how that job goes. But I believe we're outside of the Madeline Barrow now. Tucker, you should go home. All right. Till next time. And I hop out. Bye. You hop out. You yeah, bye. start trudging up to your room at the Madeline Barrow. It is nighttime, by the way, everyone. Are we at the front door or and the back door? Front. You walk inside, you do your nightly routine. It is, again, nighttime. And we move back over. He the, the carriage moves again, and then you guys eventually stop outside of the Twin Feathers Tavern. And he looks to you, Tara. Oh, um... Cole, was it? What about him? <laughs> oh, don't look so exasperated. I was just going to let you know that his craftsmanship is not bad. I could use someone like him in the future. Thanks. Um, I'll let him know. I don't. Do you want him to be tangled up in this, though? I, that was not sincere. Thanks, I'll let him know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he gestures to the tavern. Right, right. Um, Thanks. I'll get out. Okay, you get out. And then we just have Davina. (laughs) The carriage moves again. And I'm scared. Ivan's jovial facade kind of fades, and for the first time, today at least, you see that his smile drops. Uh, okay. He turns to you. The dark shadows of the night sky kind of making his face twist a little bit as he stares at you. Now that it's just you and me. You can stop lying to your friends. Stop pretending (gasps) about who you are and why you're here. You are very suspicious, Davina Good. Very, very suspicious. I only told your friends what they could handle. But tell me, Why? Why is it that there are traces of the wish spell having been casted on you? And that is where we will end the session. Oh my god! Ah! (laughs) Holy shit! Mm. Wow, that was was a fun episode, guys. How'd you guys feel? Yeah! Amazing! Another episode of The Twilight Zone. For those that don't know, because this this is this is almost never actually able to be played in a campaign. The wish spell is the highest level spell. It is a ninth level spell, and it is literally what the word is. Like the spell is what the name of the spell is. You make a wish, and whatever you wish happens. There's no if ands or buts. You become a genie. 
Mm-hmm. No, a no, no. The spell, yeah. Yep. A self-serving, sentient, Whatever you omnipotent want. genie. A god. A god. Mm-hmm. So I could wish to be a genie with no chains. Yeah. You are a genie. Oh, yeah, no, basically. no, no. Wish only happens no, once. No, it doesn't. It's a spell slot, dude. You get it back. <laughs> <gasps> you become but the genie. But only once a day. But only once a you day. You become the genie. Yeah, that's true. Oh, wait. Anyways. You could use one day to wish for another spell slot the next day. Jesus or Christ. infinite smell slots the next Was day. There like, could, a, like, a component, <laughs> like a material component that's really expensive? Cause... You guys don't know about the wish spell in my world. Yeah. At all. Because the wish spell, almost every DM customizes how it's used. Because at a certain point as you're going up the levels of spells, it doesn't. it's not a combat or utility thing anymore. It's a game writing component. Yeah. Mechanic. Yeah. And I'll say that again. As you go up the levels of spells, the spells that are being casted don't only change the battle or the encounter, they create the story. Anyways, well, fun dun, session, guys. Uh, any questions? Is Tara a shitty bard? No, she's really good. Oh, good. I'm so. I'm at a crossroads. This is going to be really scary for me if I'm going to have to decide whether I was playing like a a facade all along or or I'm completely oblivious. That's such a scary choice. Oh, oh, Michelle, Michelle, you don't have a choice in this. You don't know what the fuck he's talking about. Oh, oh, thank God. You're completely oblivious. Okay, yeah. imagine if I played it off. For like, now. Like, I knew this all He along. might tell you that you weren't oblivious the whole time later. And Eric and Kylie will never know. Michelle, check your DMs. <laughs> <laughs> I think, man, um, you know how Ivan was like, what's this illusion of choice that you have? If I want to manipulate you, I'll manipulate you. How did Tucker react to that? Oh, Tucker fucking hates that. Tucker does not like Ivan having that much control over him. And it makes him like Ivan less. Uh, Tucker Tucker does not like that Ivan is like lording his power over him. And it makes Tucker want to kill him. How much does Tucker know about Ivan? Like, do you know like his full capabilities? Or is it just kind of... Tucker knows enough to be afraid but okay. not enough to really know anything, if that makes sense. Yeah, he, it's a mystery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know enough to be like, he is friend and scary. No. Well, he's a friend. I mean, like, he's acting like a friend-ish. He's my friend. Except, you know, he just forced us to go on a deadly mission for him and only answered questions in return. That's dwarvish as fuck. I would probably think, yeah, Ivan's a friend that's going to get me my last trinket and I'd happily do whatever this man asks. We think he's friendly. You're the one with sus. You're, you're the one with sus. I'm always sus. I dropped my sus of Mel Shadow for just a little bit and then I was told you should be sus. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. He wooed us with cheese. What can I say? And I found out the source of the cheese was this guy. He is my friend. (laughs) 
Wait, Wait Gorik's cheese comes or... from Ivan? I thought Ivan got the cheese from Gorik. This has been amazing to, to see all this, by the way. This is truly... I, I know I've been kind of beating a dead horse with a turtle at this point, but um, it's been amazing to finally... The, the amount of planning, I've finally managed to actually reveal a little bit about the plot stuff, and I'm really, really happy with it. Especially with you guys' <laughs> reactions, because you guys were just like, what the um i started this this entire campaign off with essentially a prompt and i expanded on that prompt until we have what we have now and you guys don't know the base prompt yet you guys don't you guys don't know what started this whole thing what you guys do know is one of the answers what happens when you put two souls into one body it breaks (laughs) oh all right um oh well. well I finished my soju a while ago. I think I already tossed the bottle. Oh, no, no, still got the bottle. I don't have anything to clink it against. But anyways, uh, many more questions to be asked, but cannot be answered, unfortunately, because the DM is, say it with me, a cunt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Hold on, no, let's actually do that. Start again. (laughs) Oh, God. The DM is a Cunt. Cunt. which is what i see plastered on your guys's faces by the way um <laughs> i'm having fun anyways i thank you guys so much for joining us at the after hours adventures podcast i hope you still have a little bit left at that hunt uh, in, uh, at the bottom of that hunting <laughs> horn um go ahead and chug the rest of it please don't take care of your liver um, and with one final cheers, that was disappointing. Eh. Eric, please, thank you. Okay, Ooh, thank you. I need, I need to get good cups, man. Um, but with one final cheers, we will say good night. Thank you. Bye bye. Adios. <laughs> <laughs>